I look forward to this day of the week because we visit with our friend Jamie Court, spelled C-O-U-R-T, and Jamie Court is the president of Consumer Watchdog, and Consumer Watchdog does go to court for consumers, but they do a lot more than that. Check out consumerwatchdog.org to see what Jamie Court and all of his great colleagues are doing at consumerwatchdog.org. And speaking of his great colleagues, Jamie's colleagues are in San Francisco because now we've got the Global Climate Summit there in San Francisco. Francisco. Jamie had a board meeting. He's here in LA. Heck, I'm here in LA. So, Jamie, thanks for coming back on the Norman Goldman Show. And the Global Climate Summit is the issue of the day. San Francisco is the place. Jamie, what's it all about? Well, look, you know, this is uh, Governor Jerry Brown, who we've talked about uh, in the past, uh, is hosting a summit uh, to called the it's GCAST, the, the Global Climate uh, Action Summit. And it basically is about uh, trying to get, I think, different delegates, 4,500 from around the world, on the same page on climate change. And there's a lot of people who have been frustrated, including us, uh, Consumer Watchdog, and you know, about 800 groups were in coalition with it, the Brown's Last Chance campaign, that the governor hasn't done anything to stem oil drilling. He's issued 20,000, more than 20,000 permits for oil wells, including uh, hundreds offshore in California and state waters for oil wells while complaining about Trump opening up federal waters to oil drilling. And and he is leading on the world stage this climate effort without going after fossil fuel supplies, which is the principal driver of climate change. So there's a lot of hypocrisy uh, for many of us in what the governor is doing. And that's why there were um, significant demonstrations this morning, uh, because Governor Brown, you know, as the people who live near many of these oil wells say, has really been hypocritical about... Uh, uh, claiming we got to do more, we're living through uh, you know uh, cat- cat- catastrophic times, and we're living uh, with an existential crisis, and we've got to take every measure possible. And yet he hasn't shut down a single permit he's issued for an oil well in this state, and he seems to be un- un- uncaring with regards to the demands of uh, people who live in neighborhoods where their oil wells, saying they should be you know, more than a couple of thousand feet from my home and my kid's school because there are health risks associated with, and he should freeze new permits to examine oil infrastructure. He sets these very large targets like he did uh, this week for ending, um, you know, carbon on our electric grid by 2045, 27 years from now when he's going to be dead. He's 80 years old. Long gone. But he won't, we won't take any action today for neighborhood drilling. Um, and, and that's the rub. The rub is, He's a politician, and he's, you know, trying to talk both sides of the issue, and he's not taking a stand against oil drilling. And a lot of folks, I was listening, uh, watching this on Facebook Live this morning when my colleagues are up there. I had a board meeting I had to be at here. They were, you know, they were producing a lot of people from a lot of different communities around the state, Richmond, uh, L.A., Long Beach, uh, Baldwin Hills, people who said, look, uh, you know, I get nosebleeds in the middle of the night. You don't know what it's like to live near an oil well or refinery. Governor, how can you keep doing this without having a plan to shut it down? And uh, he, uh, I think, you know, and his co-host, Michael Bloomberg, uh, are just unrepentant about that. Uh, apparently, in his remarks today, he did say that we, we need to deal with oil drilling, but he has the power to, and he hasn't. And saying that and doing it's different. Michael Bloomberg, on the other hand, <laughs> who's a co-sponsor of this climate March uh, really got into some trouble because he said, in response to the protesters, who were obviously loud and vocal, 
uh, how can environmentalists, uh, you know, uh, you know, protest at an environmental conference? I don't understand it. Isn't that like those people who are against, uh, who are for the border border wall, but take uh, a vacation to Mexico? To which the people who outside said, "You know what, man? We're Latinos who live near oil drilling." To compare us to people who are Trumpistas for border boosters, really bad form. And by the way, Mayor Bloomberg, what about a guy co-chairing a climate summit? who actually supports fracking and has energy and oil and gas investments. That's a little hypocritical, isn't it? So um, there's a lot of hypocrisy to go around, including uh, the SUV that uh, Jerry Brown usually drives in in his motorcade into an environmental summit. Uh, but uh, the protesters have a very important point, and the governor hasn't budged. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a real question how history will remember him. I mean, he, he's doing well in the spotlight right now because – uh, Donald Trump makes anyone look good uh, if you're an environmentalist. But if you judge him by his own words, he's really not uh, holding up the, 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 you know, the, the tenor that we are in dire times that require dire measures, because that would include going after oil drilling, not just approving you know, tens of thousands of permits. We're talking to our friend Jamie Court. C-O-U-R-T is the spelling. Check him out at ConsumerWatchdog.org. You'll find he's the president of ConsumerWatchdog.org. And Jamie, uh, this is a global climate summit, and I know we talk a lot about Governor Brown and and debunking his image and all, um, but how global is this? Because, and the reason I ask is because, of course, uh, you know, Donald Trump has pulled us out of the Paris Accord, and my thought right from the start has been, so what? He can pull us out, but the cities, the states, the counties, individual actions, we can just go ahead and comply. I mean, he can say we're out, but we can just go ahead and, and convert the economy. We don't need him. He can be irrelevant if we take appropriate actions. So with that in mind, how global is this and how much of an impact will this have? Can this have globally, even leaving Governor Brown of California out of it? Well, I think it is going to come down to global action, state action, local action, uh, with or without Donald Trump. I mean, even markets, frankly, are acting uh, against coal, which has plummeted 92%, uh, you know, in the investment sector because it's coal. Something that the President of the United States can do to revive coal is going to make coal economically efficient, you know, in an age when it's not only carbon intensive, but, you know, we have wind and we have solar and we have people who don't want to burn coal. Well, he wants to make coal great again. Even in Virginia, you know, where they're trying to revive coal, the Virginia utilities are outsourcing to get the renewable energies because it's a better deal. So, you know, the markets win and the consumers win and they make these decisions and people vote with their feet. So you can't bring back, you know, bringing back methane gas as (laughs) Trump wants to do. I mean, the guy bringing back coal, you know, it's it's going against the tide and the tide is going to overtake him. But the reality is the politicians who do an awful lot of talking on the climate fence like Brown uh, aren't going to beat this thing. They're not going to beat uh, the, 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 the 4% rise in temperature that's going to be irreversible if we don't deal with oil. And dealing with oil in one of the uh, largest oil-producing economies in the world, in California, uh, should have started under the watch of Jerry Brown. Instead, it looks like it's going to start under the watch of our next governor. And we should have banned fracking the way New York has. We should have uh, limited neighborhood drilling. We should have limited limited new oil permits. And we should have talked about how to get rid of oil infrastructure. And you and I have talked about how EV vehicles are going to be cost-effective enough with batteries long uh, with long enough uh, distance to replace uh, the petroleum sector. But uh, some politician has to actually 
say today, this is what we're going to do to get rid of the gasoline. And, I, you know, that wasn't Jerry Brown. And, and maybe it's because he's a careful politician. He is. Uh, maybe it's because, um, you know, oil companies have been generous to him. They were given him millions of dollars and he hasn't wanted to buck them. But the next governor is going to have to deal with it There's just if we're going to deal with this problem. It's also markets that have to respond. I hope you like what you're hearing. And if you do, please go to consumerwatchdog.org and you will find our friend Jamie Court there. He is the president of consumerwatchdog.org. And Jamie, that's a little known fact about California is we produce a lot of oil. And, and in fact, we don't have the wellhead tax that a lot of even like Texas and Southern states have. But leaving that aside, the fact is California is a big oil producing state. Now that Jerry Brown's time is about up, there is a new governor coming in, very likely to be the Democratic nominee, Gavin Newsom. Jamie, what's his future? What's his uh, position on this issue? Are we going to get any better with the next governor? Well, like a true politician, he hasn't taken a firm position on this issue. However, uh, unlike Jerry Brown, he has agreed not to take oil industry contributions for his run for governor. And that was true of his uh, of other Democrats in the state. So there, the oil money is not going to the candidates. It may still be going to the party, although I believe the party sweated off too, the Democratic Party. So money is coming out of the game, and that leads me to believe that we're hopeful that there will be some kind of end to drilling under the new governor and some kind of ambitious plan to roll back the infrastructure. He's largely dodged those questions, but he has uh, refused the money. Um, I was, you know, I really think it's not just upon government, though, Norm. We, we had an interesting launch this week of something called Insure the future project of which we're a coalition campaign member, the movement is to get insurance companies, you know, which we specialize in, to stop underwriting fossil fuel infrastructure projects, not just investing in fossil fuel and coal, but to actually stop insuring tar sands projects, fossil fuel projects, coal plants. And the reason is the insurance companies have been crying victim of these catastrophic wildfires of the hurricane that's ripping down the East Coast. You know, we have extreme weather conditions because of climate change. So warmer oceans lead to more severe hurricanes. Drier brush and drier land lead to more severe and longer fire seasons. And the insurance companies insure all that. And they are they got huge risks, and yet they have invested heavily both in the investment sector and by underwriting fossil fuel projects. A report that came out last week found insurance companies in California have invested almost $600 million, that's half a trillion dollars, in fossil fuel companies a fossil in the fossil fuel sector. That's just that's just investments. Can you imagine how much they've actually underwritten in terms of projects for the fossil fuel industry? Refineries, tar sands, um, uh, uh, tar sands excavation, oil wells. Uh, we are trying to get insurance companies to stop insuring the way European insurance companies like Allianz uh, and uh, Munich Re and Swiss Re, these are reinsurance companies, have said, we're not going to do that anymore because we understand that when we do that, we're betting against our own future. And this campaign just took off in San Francisco this week. The first insurance company, a company called Lemonade, it's an online insurance company, they have agreed not to invest in fossil fuels, and we're hoping that State Farm and Farmers and all the main insurance companies are going to follow them. And if we don't, we're going to embarrass them. And we're going to talk about the ones that do agree and the ones that don't agree. So it's not just government. It's got to be markets. Uh, and we've got to hold everybody accountable who's part of this 
for hypocrisy because this is about what kind of world we hand over to our kids. And these insurance companies can't be both the victims and the perpetrators. Uh, if they are victims of the fires, if they're victims of the hurricanes, they're representing the policyholders, then they shouldn't be investing in the people who are exacerbating this problem, exacerbating the hurricanes, exacerbating the fires. It's the fossil fuel infrastructure. That is a fascinating point, because if you are a tar sands driller or you are in any portion of the fossil fuel industry, you can't be in business without lots of insurance. And so if you can't get insurance, you're not in business anymore. Do I have that basically right? That's right. That's exactly right. So, you know, we'll do a lot better, ironically, going to the insurance companies who have an economic motive to cut off the fossil fuel industry than we are probably waiting for the Jerry Browns of the world to come around and do it through the regulatory system. Wow, is that an irony? And here we've been battling the insurance companies all these years, calling them all kinds of names, and they've been calling us every name back and then some. And here it turns out that they may end up being key or very important to helping with climate change and getting off of fossil fuels. Jamie, what are the odds of, of, it, of this working, getting the insurance industry to say, sorry, guys, we're not going to insure you anymore because you're killing us and you and everybody else. So get out of business, try something else, change. Uh, what are the odds of getting the insurance companies they, to do I don't do think it? they have a choice. I don't think they have a choice. The European insurers have done it. The American insurers have to follow suit. And I'll tell you why. Because once we get them to open their books and show us how much they're underwriting at risk, they're going to have to be honest with their shareholders, who also, as you know, uh, have some control over these companies. And the shareholders are going to be pretty angry if the companies are investing in the very risks that are going, could damage their investments. So I think once we open the, the, the books of these companies and shed some light and transparency on how much they're really holding in terms of underwriting these fossil fuel investments, we can stop them. Wow. Jamie, this is a fascinating topic. Unfortunately, I got to leave it there, but that doesn't mean we can't revisit it in the future, and I have a sneaky suspicion we will. We've been talking corporate governance on this show here lately about reforming corporations, and, and I think that is very much an issue uh, for the next generation, which means now. We've been talking to our friend Jamie Court. It's spelled C-O-U-R-T. C-O-U-R-T, like going to court. You will find Jamie Court and all of his great colleagues at ConsumerWatchdog.org, and if you like like this conversation is a whole lot more of this kind of stuff at consumerwatchdog.org. Jamie, thanks as always for being with us. Governor Brown's time is sunsetting. Governor Newsom's time appears to look uh, being like it's sun rising. Hopefully the future will be bright for all of us. Thanks again for your time. Thank you, Norm.